good about Mexico. Uh, that's, everything's good about Mexico. The food, the weather, and, and uh, man, that sun, that sun hits, it hits different in Mexico. I'm just going to tell you. Uh, the fact that it actually shines in Mexico is the, is the first thing, but it, it, is, it hits different there. And man, I, I'm telling you, I was like a turtle on a log. I ain't going to lie, but I was out there. Uh, I, had to, I couldn't be very long. I had to get in the shade for a little bit, though, uh, those things. But uh, we come right back, uh, and, uh, you know, of course, the week was the week it was. We had, you know, the Bagley's to deal with. They had a wedding yesterday and uh, a couple of things that were happening, and those days a busy, busy week. Um, and I don't want to neglect the fact that not only is today Mother's Day, but tomorrow is my wife's birthday. Yeah. Amen? So... You see her, you talk to her today, make sure you tell her happy 54th birthday. Uh, that's okay, I can tell you how old she is because she does not look 54 and, and whatever that looks like anymore. But uh, yeah, so uh, make sure you greet her today. And uh, I'm going to come in and do staff meeting tomorrow and then I'm probably going to exit and spend the day with her uh, and just uh, chill out and those things. So um, it, that's the way it's going to be and it'll be all right. Hello somebody. Amen. Good morning to be in church. Um, all the moms that are here, you're amazing. All the moms that are watching. Uh, my mom that's watching right now, I'm just going to apologize in advance. Love you. <laughs> I love you. Um, but uh, I, I, can, I can tell you what's true. Sometimes people think I make up stories for sermon uh, illustration, those things. But all the stories about my childhood are not uh, made up. Uh, if you've done anything, I've under-exaggerated them. You can ask a couple of guys who got the chance to spend with my dad and mom in Florida and those things to talk about uh, some of those things. But uh, anyway, I want to take you to a portion of Scripture today, Mom, that you might not think is typical for a Mother's Day text. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, let's do this. You ready? Luke 10, verse 38. The Bible says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman, everybody say woman. A woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings. But, everybody say but. Now we, we want to be careful there. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to him and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister's left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion, which is not to be taken away from her. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reading of the word. Would you bless it to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart? Would you bless our moms today, God, as we seek to encourage them and challenge them about who they are, what your mission with them is on the earth today. We pray a blessing on them. We pray your spirit to comfort, strengthen, and fill them with joy today. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Now, I, I was raised in the South, and my, my, uh, the way I grew up is, is no comparison to the way you grew up. But I can remember from a very young age... Uh, my father having particular rules for my brother and I. Now, my two sisters got away with murder. 
they did. Uh, my brother and I, not so much. Um, man, he was, he, was, he, was, he was not, I want to say hard on us, but he kept his word to us. And he wasn't as lenient or soft-hearted towards my brother and I as he was towards my two sisters. I have a, a sister that is just a year and a month older than me and uh, a, a sister that is about three, four, three and a half, four years younger than me. And um, um, my, my dad had a particular rule for my brother and I, regardless of who the woman was, whether it was our sisters, whether it was a strange, stranger, whether it was an older woman, whether it would be a particular young lady that maybe fancied our eye. My dad had a particular rule, and that rule was this. You will never be unkind to a woman in any way. And if you are, and I find out, you will have to deal with me. And let me just say something. My dad kept his word. Not that I was ever unkind to a woman. He kept his word about every other thing. So I knew that he would keep his word about this. And so I, from a young age, was taught that there was something special about a woman. Not that she was less than. Not that I was better than. But that there was something unique and special about her that deserved my honor and my respect. Period. And I, I embraced that, I walked in it, I, 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 I still embrace it and walk in it today, and, and, and I, I appreciate my dad's teaching in that. I feel like we live in a world that, in the, in the sense or the agenda of trying to advance women have gotten away from the idea of honor and respect that they deserve, period. And it violates me. It violates me for young ladies. It violates me for older women. It violates me for uh, women the same age as my wife. It violates me in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, I, uh, I got, for you dads who've got more than one daughter... I, I don't, I, I can't hang. I had one and almost went to jail. Yeah. And she's here this morning and true stories. I, 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 because there was something in me that one, one time in particular a young man did not honor her in the way I thought he should. And my dad always kept his word and I felt like I should keep mine. <laughs> I, I told him. When he left with her, she's leaving with a smile. She better come home with a smile. And she didn't come home with a smile. And so, I, hey, dad kept his word. I, I just, I, and my heart for women in this ministry and in our life isn't a heart that you are delicate or that you are less than. Uh, you're not up to par or up to the job. My heart is, is for the fact that Dad gave me that, and when I got saved and I see the scripture, the place that God puts a woman in all of creation, and then I see Jesus in the New Testament come and elevate the status of women. I, I, it needs to be spoken to. You, you are not just a birthing person. You, you are not just a chest feeder. I'm violated. 
by the names they want to give you today. The fact of the matter is that you are unique in all of creation, that you not only carry and grow life inside of you, but you are uniquely designed that once that life is born, to feed it and care for it so that it grows and becomes. I'm just, I mean, what an amazing, unique creation. My dad taught me some things. My mom also taught me some things. Can I share some of those with you? My mom taught me about anticipation. She would often say to me, just wait till your dad gets home. (laughs) My mom taught me about receiving. She would often say to me, you just wait till we get home. You're going to get it when we get home. My, my mom taught me to meet a challenge. She would in rapid fire often say this sentence. Right, I mean, just like, what were you thinking? Answer me when I'm talking to you. Don't talk back to me. It's a challenge. Do I share what I was thinking? <laughs> I mean, do I not? Do I speak or do I don't? Mom taught me logic, especially one day. She said, I hear, she, she's screaming at me, I'm on top of the barn. <laughs> and she says to me, if you fall off that barn and break your neck, you're not going to the store with me. <laughs> logic. She taught me about the physical body. She said, if you keep crossing your eyes, they're going to stick that way. My mom taught me to think ahead. She would say, if you don't pass that test at school, you're never going to get a job. My mom taught me to become an adult. She said, if you don't eat your vegetables, you're never going to grow up. And I still refuse to eat beets to this day. Not going to do it. And if that means I'm not growing up, y'all stuck with me. I'm not eating beets. It tastes like dirt. That's nasty. My mom, my mom taught me about sex. She would often look at me and go, how do you think you got here? <laughs> On that topic, she taught me about genetics. She would often look at me and go, you just like your dad. My mom taught me about roots. She would often scream at me and go, close the door, you weren't born in a barn. (laughs) My mom taught me about the wisdom of age. She says, when you get to be my age, you'll understand. The, The last thing I want to share about what mom taught me is mom taught me about justice. And If God ever answered a prayer of my mom's, I am confident he answered this one. My mom would look at me and say, one day you're going to have kids and I pray they're just like you. (laughs) Look at at him over there. (laughs) 
Uh, why are you grinning? My, my boy's over there grinning like nobody's business. Sarah, my daughter-in-law, Doug and Nancy's daughter, will often come up to me and go, you and TC are so alive. <laughs> Let me say this to you moms. I, I want you to embrace this real quick. I believe, and I believe the scripture teaches us, that moms do more to shape the lives of children than any other thing this side of heaven. I believe that with all of my heart. Mothers are, are powerful and they mold and shape nations. And I, I want you to understand that in the, uh, in the world that you live in right now today, mothers, today's woman has no easy task. Hello, somebody. No easy task. I mean, sure, there are appliances, there are, are more gadgets and that to try and make her life easier. Microwaves or, you know, um, whatever. Um, frozen air fryers, I mean, frozen dinners, uh, you know, this, that, and the Uber Eats. <laughs> Look, we were in Mexico and we didn't, one evening we just didn't really want to go anywhere. We just, we, we called uh, this number and we were like, we want. With some tacos and 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 I, and so in just a few minutes, someone showed up with like a, a taco, like enough food for I don't know ten people to eat for like twelve bucks. And there was like, and I was like, this is like Uber Eats, like they just bring it. You just call them and say, I want some fresh tacos, some fruit, and those. I don't know where they went and got it. Don't particularly care where they went and got it because it was amazing. <laughs> mom didn't have to cook, I mean, you know, that night. And it was just, it was so, I mean, there's so much to make mom's life easier. Robot vacuums. Um, you know, dishwasher, whatever we can think of that is sold today to try and make mom's life easier. But here's the truth, in spite of all of that, a woman's life today is busier than it's ever been. You know, expectations are different too, right? Like uh, expectations on a woman today. Uh, uh, you know, uh, not only the house chores and those things that are expected and those kind of things, uh, uh, but even in today's society where, you know, the dollar doesn't go as far as it used to in those things where families feel like, you know, they have to both have to work and those things. I mean, mama, mama's kind of expected not only to, to work a 40-hour week, but to do her regular expected things. That's tough. Laundry, sun up, sun down. My wife often say to us, there's only two of us that lives in this house. How can there be so much laundry? We spent the week in Guatemala and then we went for a week in New Mexico and uh, you, you're gonna, your luggage is going to be 40 pounds. You can't take a lot of uh, stuff for two weeks. Uh, but... Man, uh, Brian and Melissa, don't worry when you get to Mexico, you can call a laundry service and they'll come and do it. They came and got all of our laundry. And they, they charge by the pound to do the laundry. So they come and pick it up. They take it. They do the laundry. They fold it. They put it nice and neat and plant. They bring it back to you. All of our laundry. Five bucks. We got home from Mexico with a pile of laundry again. And my wife said, 
nay, nay, mister. That's worth more than five bucks. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> Here's the fact. There's only 24 hours in a day. And with all of this expected from mom in the modern day world, it's no wonder that mom feels like she's got to cut corners. And one of those cuts is often spiritually. Got to focus on getting things done. And all because they, 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 they are in this thing and this role is happening and the expectation of mom is, is to do this and that. And so they feel like I've got to cut some corners. I've got to find some way, you know, to get it all done. And... The focus becomes on getting things done. Hello, somebody. And because of that, I feel like the world we live in right now, moms, it's no wonder they suffer with the idea of unhappiness and unfulfillment. How can they do it all and be successful? How can they, at the end of the day, not feel like they have failed in some way or another? I mean, it, it, it literally is a wonder that my, my mom is sane having to deal with me. <laughs> Moms often sacrifice their happiness and fulfillment to get things done for us. And all that being said, I believe that today's woman has the greatest opportunity she's ever had. And that is an opportunity to mold the future. Christy Monson came up during worship and she said, it's mom's day and I wonder, I wonder just how much of an emphasis or how much of a catalyst it was that it was Mary who encouraged Jesus at his very first public miracle. Mom, right there. In the middle of everything, molding the future. Napoleon, for who he was in history and those particular things, we can debate his historical figure and those particular things. We can debate whether, uh, you know, listen, whatever you want to say, Napoleon was a good, he was, he was an effective leader. He accomplished things, whether it was good or bad. Effectiveness is, I'm not weighing good or bad. He was effective. This historical man made this statement. This is a quote. The fate of a child is always the work of his mother. Now, in his mind, I can't help but to think he was thinking about his own mom. And what she had given him and how she had spent her life in him. And I, I don't know that story. I don't know that history. But in his mind to make that statement, he cannot be a man who makes that statement without referencing the influence of his own mother. Whether it was good or bad. Mom, listen. What an amazing job you have to mold the future. What an amazing example you have that Mary, the mother of Jesus, is right in the middle of things at his first public miracle. What an amazing job you have to begin to mold the future. We, as I said in the beginning, have such a great blessing here at this ministry that as our church has grown, it's gotten younger. And here is my heart and the heart of this eldership team. We do not intend to be a ceiling for young people. 
We want them to grow further than we've ever grown, be better than we've ever done, do more than we've ever done. Luke, uh, he mentions this, right? And there's a scripture that says this, that when a student is well trained, he'll be better than his teacher. And so, mom, this is the influence. This is the thing, how instrumental you are. I want to say that to you this morning. We're told that Martha received Jesus into her house. Now, no doubt she wants everything to be perfect. Y'all say amen. Listen, we know every Sunday the presence of God is going to be here with us. And, and, I, and I, I, every Sunday I love being here, but I'm frantic. I want it to be, come on, perfect. The presence of God is going to be here, right? Like no doubt she, let's don't beat her up in the sense that her heart was, Jesus is here. I want it to be perfect. She's working hard. And Mary, Mary. Mary is doing nothing. Come on, Mom. Grr. Hey, Mom, have you ever gotten after your kids? What are you, what are you doing? Get, come on. Why are you? Come on. I, didn't I tell you? Come on, Mom. I know you have given your children an assignment that would literally take three minutes, but it took you three hours of arguing with them to get it done. Mom, come on. But you are so determined that they're going to do it. You spent three hours of your life threatening to kill them. Come on. Mary, sitting down. What you doing? And then Jesus says what she's doing is actually a good thing. See, we might not think that this passage for today deals with mothers, but it really does. And I want you to hang with me for a moment because I want to challenge you, mom. I want to challenge you, woman of God. See where you fit in. Watch this. Three differences between Martha and Mary. Number one, there was a difference in focus. Especially with Jesus. Now here Jesus is talking uh, uh, simply about focus, right? Uh, and, and he's saying, Martha's cumbered about. Uh, Mary is sitting at his feet. Martha, Mary's chosen one thing. It's not going to be taken from her. It's actually the one good thing. She's chosen and it's not going to be taken. He's speaking about focus here. Now Webster's defines focus this way. As the point where things come together. The center. Focus. The center of our lives. Notice Martha's focus. Notice Martha's center. Are you with me? Serving. What's wrong with that? I mean, she's excited that Jesus is there. What's wrong with this? She wants everything to be perfect. She is busy serving the master. That's what we all should be doing, right? Busy serving the master. Let me say this to it. Some people spend all their time being busy. They serve on every committee. They are here and there. Yet there's no time for the Lord. You're too busy for the Lord. Mom, I know you get caught up in it. It's like a catch-22. Mom, I know you get caught up in it. It's like a, you can't get away from it. It's like the catch. They still expect that. What do you mean? 
right? Like you're already getting up before they get up because you can't trust them to get up on their own. What, what do you mean? Like, I, I, this has to be done. If I don't do it, no one's going to do it because they sure ain't going to do it. Trust me, I've left it and it hadn't got done. Moms, how many times have you walked by a pile of dirty clothes just waiting for someone to pick it up? Moms, how many times have you walked by a, pile, a, dirt, a dirty dishes just waiting for somebody else to put them in the... They don't even have to wash them. They just got to stick them in the dishwasher. How many times? How many times have you done that? Right? Like, oh, it's got to be done because they're not doing it. I just got to do it. Busy serving, busy serving, busy serving, and it's great, right? Now you're going to church, you're serving. Listen, this ministry is so blessed by the women who serve here. Oh, man, it is amazing. When you see the details that are going on every week behind what's happening inside of this. Jim Mooney had to do a funeral last week. It was the first one he's ever done. And before I had left, I had given him some stuff. Here's an outline. Sit down with the family. Go over these particular things. Well, Wednesday night at Bible College, Jim came up to me and he said, Listen here, I have a new respect for <laughs> the details that I had no idea. Most people just show up to church. They expect children's church to be staffed, curriculum to be there, everything to be organized, stuff to be cleaned. And the ladies that are in this church every week clean. Just getting things ready, reorganizing, and doing those things. I walk through, and Miss Joanne's around here vacuuming, doing all this stuff. And I walk in, there's a robot vacuum cleaner running around this place sometime. Her name is Rosie from the Jetsons. <laughs> She's just doing her thing. Women are doing so much, right? Serving, serve too. But I wonder how much of those shortcuts happen, and Jesus is the first one. It's not a bad thing to serve and be involved. As a matter of fact, we need more volunteers here. The typical, the typical statistic is that only 10% of people out of a congregation serve in any form or fashion. So if a church of 600 people, you got maybe 60 people serving. I, I, we have more than that. I'm so grateful. Let's give the Lord a hand for that, right? <laughs> Our last count, how many were in children's? We had 60 plus in just in our children's uh, part that happens on Sunday mornings and those things. But I mean, when you think of everything that's taking a worship team or your media team, uh, ushering, when you think of everything that's taking place around here, there's so many, many more serving than that and I'm grateful for it. Listen, Martha's serving is not a bad thing. Pastor Don's not going to be the guy who beats her up. It's the focus that's the problem. You see, Jesus wasn't the focus of her attention. Serving was. And notice the Bible points it out that much, much, it says much, verse 40, much, it's right in your scripture, I have a trick Bible, wrong focus, somebody say amen. Let me say this to you, woman of God, let me say this to you, mom, let me say this to families who are wanting to find a way to bless your mom or bless the woman of God in your life, what a tragedy it is to have Jesus in your house, yet be too busy to spend time with him. Many people love that in their personal lives. You, you know that scripture that says people come to the Lord in the end and say, Lord, Lord, did we? They're serving. But as honoring as that can be, the focus of Christ in that moment was I didn't know you. His focus is relationship. 
His focus is, is intimacy. His focus is, listen, there are a lot of stuff that needs to be done. But mom, I want to encourage you. Families, I want to encourage us to not put moms and the woman of God in our life in a position where she feels like she has to shortcut Jesus to serve us. It's an honor. It's a thing to realize mom needs her time with Jesus. She needs to be able to feel like she can sit at his feet. Thank God for moms who take time for Jesus so they can teach us. John chapter 6 verse 27 says, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Focus. Don't put all your energy into temporary things. Mom, let me encourage you. Be okay to say, I'm not putting all my focus on temporary things. I want to see where I fit into this message. I have, I've never heard someone say to me that they did not appreciate the faith that their mom gave them. Never heard that. There's so many of us sitting in this room today because a mom was involved in our life spiritually. She prayed with us. She prayed for us. She pushed us. She made us go to Sunday school. She made us go to youth group. Let me, let me just encourage parents that overall, right? There are some things children don't need to have a choice in. The flavor of ice cream is good, bless them. But there are some things you don't need to feel the pressure that they even have a choice. Why do you have it? You don't have a choice. Breno, did you have a choice? Didn't have it. Didn't even ask you, Breno. Do you want to go to church today? Did they ever ask you that? Nope, they said get in the car. You're going, to go to, you're going to go to youth group? They never asked you that, did they? Get in the car. Well, I, don't, I just, here's what we're doing, right? Like, when you see the effect of Bible memory, when you see the effect, I mean, they're, they're too young to go to middle school youth group, but they can read. And so our church is trying to invest in them, all right? At a young age, the Bible says, raise them up in the way they should go. When they get old, they won't depart. See, they, if they don't have anything based in their life, when they start to struggle and try and figure life out, and maybe you think they walk away, in, in, the, in their latter years, they'll have something to come back to. I remember, how many people have called me this week and says, I was in Eldon's Sunday school class. Wait, Doug, were you in? Boys club. Doug Schwartz, an elder in our church, along with Mike, was in boys club, Eldon, Eldon. Focus. Then they move into middle school. Then they move into high school. And let me tell you something. Let me, let me explain to you something why our middle school and high school groups are so dynamic. How they can lead worship, preach and teach. Right? You just experience some of those things. Because we're starting with them when they can read. I don't want to be their ceiling. We should rejoice in the day when we start sitting in the back and they're sitting up front. I don't want to be their ceiling. As a matter of fact, we're coming into a season now here at, at Firm Foundation where the last few years we've taken the summer to focus on discipleship with, with young interns. And, and Breno actually encouraged me. He's like, dude, this summer, these boys, man, these boys, these young guys, we got to get them in here. I'm like, man, they got, they're probably going to be working during the summer. He's like, let's meet with them before they go to work. We're coming into a season of discipleship for young people. Why? We don't want to be their ceiling 
Moms, listen, don't put your energy into temporary things. Focus on the major deal. Influence and mold someone's life. Listen, as a church, I want you to grab a hold of this. Never has someone said they didn't appreciate the faith their mom passed on to them or that their church gave them where their mom served. Notice Mary's focus. Notice her center. She's sitting with Jesus, hearing his words. Mom, are you focused on him? Is he your center? This morning, Pastor Don wants to give you permission to tell everybody, back off. I'm focusing on Jesus. Because if I don't focus on him, you're going to meet him. I got my Bible, I got my Jesus, and I got my coffee. Don't get in the way. Moms, are you focused on Jesus? Three differences between Mary and Martha. Number one, there was a difference in the focus with Jesus. Number two, there's a difference in their fellowship with Jesus. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Mary wants to get as close to Jesus as possible. She's at his feet. Like you, you are snuggled up right on the floor. You are right there as close as you can get to him. Come on. Can you see this picture, right? Like you're not in the back room and Jesus is sitting down and you're on the floor. No, you're at the feet of Jesus, right? You can smell the dust. Come on. You can, you, you get every part, you're at his feet. See, to be at someone's feet means to be as close as possible. It declares focus and it declares the center. Moms, are you as close as you want to be to Jesus? It's okay to say no. I'm not. Let me tell you why it's okay to say I'm, I'm not. but Because I know you want to be. And let me express this to you. So does Jesus. There's not a woman in this room today that Jesus doesn't want to be close to. He hears your heart. He hears your struggle. He knows the things you're wrestling over. He knows what's broken your heart. He knows your disappointments. He knows the frustrations. All of those things. And all of that, he never condemns you. He never pushes you away. He never says you're not worthy. Instead, he wants to embrace you. And he wants to see you as close as you possibly can to him. Jesus loved the fact that Mary was at his feet so much so that that he spoke openly so that not only Martha could hear it, but everybody else in the room. Mary has chosen to be close to me. Leave her alone. I mean, that's PD version. You can look that all up in the Greek if you want to. Jesus desires for us to be close to him. It's all about priorities. You see, fellowship with Jesus was the priority of Mary. Are you with me? 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship. The Lord invites us. Not only does he invite us, church, he calls us. Listen to me, woman of God. The Lord is calling you into fellowship. He is calling you to make priority, time with him a priority. He is pulling you. He is setting the stage for you to be able to come and have fellowship with him. And Mary knew that Jesus must be the center. And what about you, mom? What about you, woman of God? The scripture says that Martha was cumbered. 
The, the word lightly, loosely translated, it's kind of a rough word uh, from the translation into English, but it just means distracted or drawn away. It's, it's not an evil word, okay? Uh, but it does mean that something else had her attention, so much so that it pulled her away. Listen, mom, have you ever wanted to do something so bad in your heart, but you had something else that took priority and you had to go do it, but while you were doing that thing, all you could think about is what you really wanted to do? Come on, mom. Yeah, because you're faithful, you go do it, don't you? Because it needs to be done, you go do it. And your heart is left longing for what you really desire. Am I talking to any mom in here? Am I talking to any woman? She's distracted. She let the task draw her away from Christ, even though the task itself was meant to bless Christ. Are you wrestling with this, Mom? Where's the balance? Because, see, you, you have this longing, and you have this that needs to be done, and both of them, you believe, are, are to honor Christ. But there's a wrestling, and you don't know how to find the balance. You don't know where it's at. You're just like, how do, I, this, how do I? And you find yourself like a squirrel in the middle of the road. She's cumbered. How many of us do the same thing? Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1, Therefore we must pay much close attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Pay attention to what you have heard, or else you'll drift away from it. What do you have to do to drift away? Nothing. What do you have to do to drift away? Nothing. Uh, Friday, um, you have to pray for me. I, I, Fridays are kind of like date day plus it's a chore day. I only get one day at my house a week to do some chores. And, and, and for the last three months, every Friday has rained. I'm like, what? What is happening in my life right now? And so I was pretty bummed this Friday it was raining. And I was like, Jesus, can I have one day? And I'm sitting there at the, at the, at, at the you know, kitchen table. I can see out the sliding glass door. The river's out there. And, and, I, and I've got some tea. And I'm, I'm in the mully grubs because it's raining. I really needed to do some stuff outside. And, and, and I was just barking about it. And my wife, she didn't want to pay attention to me at all. She says, I can't deal with you right now. And, I'm, I'm, and I look out there. And it, there's this plastic tote. It's red. You, you know these little totes you put things in? These storage totes you buy from Walmart for like five or six bucks. It's like maybe a 30 gallon tote or something. And, and there's this flat, and there's no wind out there, it's just raining. And, and in the middle of the river, there is this red plastic tote. And I'm like, what? What is going on? And it's just kind of sitting there. There's no wind. And it's not in the area of the river where there's any current, and it's just kind of there. Yet slowly but surely, over the hour and a half that I sat there and grumbled, <laughs> this tote made its way past my house. What do you have to do to drift away? Nothing. And my wife's like, I thought you were going to go put the kayak in and go out there. I was like, it's raining. I can't work in the yard. I'm not 
putting a kayak and going out after that thing. She's like, where'd it go? I don't even have an idea where it went. It's gone. I talked to the neighbor the next day, and I was like, did you see that red toad out there? He was like, yeah, we saw that thing last week. It went down, and it came back around, and now it's going back down again. I'm like, what do you think's in it? He said, I don't know. Somebody's probably got a dead body or something. And I was like, really? Our life needs an anchor deep into Jesus. Well, let me tell you something. It, ladies, if you, don't, if you don't anchor yourself in Jesus, you're going to drift. Hello, somebody. Let's not even talk about the storms. Let's not even talk about the waves and the wind that you face. Let's not talk about all the pressure that pushes on you your whole life, every day, from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed. Let's not talk about that. Let's just talk about drifting because if you don't anchor yourself in Jesus, you will still drift. Three differences between Martha and Mary. Number one, there's a difference in focus. Number two, there's a difference in fellowship. And number three, there's a difference in their feelings. Verse 41 is, is pretty powerful here. When, when it speaks to us, it says, <clears throat> Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Many things. I think that's a focus. It should be highlighted or something in your Bible there because many things, right? Martha was troubled about many things. Mom, I get you. I need you to hear me this morning. I get you. I know all the struggles, all the things that's wrestling, the things you care about, the things you care about you think other people don't care about that they should care about. But Martha had the one who speaks peace into the storm sitting right inside her house just steps away. Yet she was troubled. Martha had the one who speaks peace to the storm sitting in her house. She had the one that speaks peace. It calms the water. Hello, somebody. She has the one who can make the clouds go away. She has the one. He's sitting right there. He has the power of all of that to do away with trouble. And yet the Bible says, even though the Prince of Peace was sitting in her house, she's troubled. She's as far from peace as she could be. It's a scary world we live in, right, women? How many women today are troubled by many things? Come on. You just, you just walk outside the door of your house, you don't even know who you are anymore. They're trying to redefine you. They're trying to tell you how you should feel about a certain topic. They're trying to tell you about how you should identify yourself in the world that you live in. They're trying to tell you that who you thought you were isn't who you were. And they want you to be something they want you to be. And, and, and here's the deal. It, they're, they're, everything they're trying to tell you, I think, undignifies you. If you want to be a working woman, do you know the scripture promotes that? Did you ever read Proverbs 31? She works with her hands. She owns land. She has a business. Do you know the scripture promotes that? Be a shrewd businesswoman. Morgan Sillings, I see you. You're back from college. Morgan's graduated uh, ABI. Give her a hand. I see you back there. I see you back there. 
And not to interrupt, but uh, also Harrison is fully funded now. He's stepping out this week, right? Fully funded, going on the mission field. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to understand that you don't have to accept, accept any type of identification except for the one God has already given you. God has already stated who you are. God has already created you to be an incredible thing. And there's nothing else in all of the created cosmos like who you are, woman of God. Nothing like you. Do you understand that you are so unique that as a woman, listen, Adam was charged to name all of the animals. Rhinoceroses and giraffes and all of this stuff, hippopotamuses. And do you know that it wasn't until after the fall and they got kicked out of the garden that Adam named the woman? Before the fall, when Adam was done naming all the creatures, Eve was so unique she didn't need a name. She's the only one. She's the only one. Everyone knew who she was. Her identity was not by a name given to her. Her identity was in who God had created her to be. She's the woman. That woman you gave me is not a derogatory term from Adam. It's declaring her uniqueness. I'm not going to confuse her with anything else in creation and neither can anybody else. It was after the fall that Adam did what my father taught me to do and honor a woman. In her failure, everything she had experienced, she was a part of the fall of man and it had to be weighing on her. She knew she gave that fruit to her husband to eat. She knew her role inside of all of it. She had to be incredibly disappointed in her part too. And Adam looks at her on the outside of the garden with all the love in his life, all the expression of who he's supposed to be as a man that God has created him to be. And he says, I will not put up with it. You're not going to be downgraded or dishonored. I will name you Eve, which means mother of all. Wow. See, you don't read your Bible like I do. You are unique. For the world to try and dishonor you and undignify you. It makes me violent for you. It does. It's a scary world you live in. It is. Scary world you live in. Mom. Ladies, if you don't want to go crazy, you better have the Prince of Peace as the center of your life. Notice Mary's feelings of peace. How do I know? Isaiah 26, 3 says, You keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. She chose peace. Mary chose peace. Jesus told Martha it was one thing. It was the needful thing. And it won't be taken. Martha, Martha, you are, Mary has chosen the one thing that's needful. And it's not going to be taken away from her. Now I realize the days are filled with activities. Come on mom, say amen. Right now, hello somebody. It's sports season. Glory to God. 
You're trying to figure out how to get all these rugrats to every sport they play. And they all play in sports in different areas, different times. And, and you're trying to figure it out. Like, how do I get them here? How do we be there? And you choose, trying to choose which game you go into and those things. I get it. The days are filled. Schedules are busy. But one thing is needful, Mom. And let me tell you something. This church, this ministry... We need you. And I want to add another task to your life. What I'm saying is, we need you to choose the one thing that's needful. And when you do that, what flows out of you is the power of God. And you will accomplish any and every task that you're supposed to through the power of his presence instead of the power of your own strength. There's one thing that's needful. Martha was busy, but the truth is, it wouldn't have really mattered if dinner was a little late. And if Jesus had gotten hungry and couldn't wait, he could have took care of it. Y'all remember them stories? truth of the matter is, if Martha had just came in and sat down with Mary, when Jesus was done, the both of them together could have gotten up and gone in and everything would, come on. How much faster would they have gotten dinner done together? And they both would have been at the feet of Jesus, and they both would have served Jesus, and they both would have felt some kind of input into his life and his ministry. Let me ask you something, Mom. Let me ask you something, woman of God. What's the point in everything being perfect if we miss eternity? Mm. Mary chose what wouldn't be taken. She centered her life on Jesus. Are you with me? Moms, ladies, what's your choice? I'm saying we need you to choose Jesus we so desperately need who I can't tell you the wisdom that comes from you. I can't tell you the insight that comes from who you are. I can't tell you how, how powerfully affected this ministry and the kids of this ministry, even uh, the men of this ministry, everything is affected by your input. We need you to sit at the feet of Jesus. Hello, somebody. We need you to sit at the feet of Jesus. Let me tell every family in here to listen to this. It should be our priority to give mom time to sit at Jesus' feet. We should be interested in what she hears from the Lord. I, I often ask my wife, what's God been speaking to you lately? Hello, somebody. Hey, there's some older kids in here. Have you ever asked mom that? Hey, mom, what's God been sharing with you lately? Come on. What has God been sharing with you lately? What, what have you, with your time with Jesus, what have you walked away with? What, what input has God given you that might mold my life? Now, if Napoleon could say it, his thought process had to be the influence in his own life. If Mary is so intricately involved in Jesus' life that she encourages him 
and his first public miracle. Hello, somebody. Think about it. What's your choice? Families, will we let our women, will we let our moms choose this? Will we make space and say, you know what, mom, I got this. I can handle this. I see you've been doing that. Let me take that from you. I see you've been handling this. I see, mom, you, you, see, you feel like you're behind. What can I pick up for you? Hey, husbands, let me tell you something. If you're going to be so checked out to do your own hobbies and other things, to leave the kids with your wife all the time, you better make sure that she's in the right place. I'm not encouraging you to do that. Be involved, right? But I find it very interesting when I talk with some of the young kids in here about where their heart's postured and who has great influence in their life. As a pastor, I don't want to be the ceiling for any of our young people. If John the Baptist can say, I got to fade so that, we can all say amen. Moms, I want you to understand you mold the future by your choice. You do. You mold the future of this ministry. And I think you have more influence than Pastor Don has. Trust me, sometimes I think I have more influence than I actually do anyway. I think you have more influence even than the eldership team. Mom, I think you have more influence than the the youth uh, leaders who have been leading the kids here, uh, both high school and middle school. I think you have a lot of influence, Mom. You have the ability to mold the future. And I love that the testimony of our ministry is the fact that our moms are involved. But I want to encourage us in the place that you're okay. It's okay. We're saying to you this morning, it's okay to make a choice to sit at the feet of Jesus. It's okay. And I want to encourage you to do that. And so I'm going to ask every woman in this place, will you stand? Guys, keep your seat. Every woman in this place, stand. Come on, stand up. Don't be afraid. No, no, not only are you unique in all of creation. I don't have time theologically to break that down for you. But you're unique in this church. You are unique in your family. You are unique in this community. And you carry with you authority that no one else can carry. You carry with you the ability to mold the future that no one else can. And we want to honor you in that. We're not wanting to add to your weight. We're wanting to release you into the revelation to understand who you are. And we want you to celebrate that. And, you know, sometimes you got to do it with a little shaking. You know, you never... No, I, I'm not encouraging it, but... I can remember a few times when my mom encouraged me through a little shake. I need you to focus. Pay attention. My, my wife, I never met my wife's mom. Um, my wife's mother died when my wife was 13 years old. But she, she would tell me stories. My mom would want to get my attention. She had this ability to pinch. Like, and you were focused instantly regardless of what was happening 
She said, the last thing you want to do is a full-blooded Thai woman grab a hold of you with a pinch. She said, you think that, you know, Spock from Star Trek invented that or whatever. No, no, they got that from the Thai women. They will put you out in a moment. Focus, focus. You know, I can't tell you how many times a flash water caused me focus. Not the flap end either. I'm not encouraging it. I'm just saying, my mom used to get after me with a flash water. She would be so mad. And I had the ability to make her laugh. And, 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 and she would start to get after me with that thing, and I would do something to make her laugh. And, and then she'd be even mad. She's like, I can't even, I can't even be mad at you, right? Stop it! And then she would say, teach me about anticipation. Your dad won't laugh. And I was like, no, no, he won't, he won't laugh. Right? It's all right. I'm good. Mom, you're so powerful. We love you so much. We want to celebrate you. Guys, will you just stretch your hands towards some of the women around you? Let's, today, Father, is a good day. Today, Father, is a powerful day. It is a day where every woman this, in this room stands in your presence. And she embraces the fact that you have called her into fellowship with you. It's not that you don't appreciate the busyness of her life and all the things she has given her life to. But Lord, at this moment, you're breathing into her a fresh revelation that even though all that busyness is not a bad thing, there is something more you want from her. And that is fellowship. And today in this room, God, would you breathe your life into her and help her to settle into the fact that it's okay. It's okay to rest at your feet, to draw strength from you, to hear your words, and to let who she is and what she does flow out of her rest at your feet. You are calling her into fellowship. God, we pray for all the moms who struggle over their kids. Lord, they love them. God, the faithful kids and the prodigals alike, Lord, we love them. My moms influence them so powerfully. Father, we, we pray for every woman of God who maybe in this setting or context is not a mom for whatever reason. She's not isolated or left alone. Well, this scripture teaches us that You're not just calling mothers to your feet. You're calling women to sit at your feet. And you receive them just alike. So, Father, they have the ability, every woman of God, to influence the future. And the future you have given to us, God. And so I pray that you help them to reject everything that undignifies them and strips them away from what you have created them to be. And God, I pray that these would be women who not only walk, Lord, in anointing and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, God, but women who walk in conviction, women who hold their heads up high, God, in the, in the community that they walk in because they know that their Father has paid a price for them. They know that their God is for them and that He has called them into fellowship and that their strength flows out of their relationship with Father God. God, let miracles flow out of them, God. Let anointing flow out of them. God, I pray for us as families that we would redirect our hearts and our minds towards what's our goal in helping mom be who God has called her to be by giving her time to sit at the feet of Jesus. 
Today, God, thank you for the word of God that encourages us. And this way, refresh the moms in this room. Lord, there are moms and women here, God, who are wounded. Lord, at loss and disheartened, God, over unmet expectations or disappointments. God, would you come right now and heal them? Would you renew them by your power and by your spirit? In this place, Lord, we pray for our moms and the women of God. Release them to mold the future. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Come on, stand with me in this place. Let's sing this song. church. Geographically, Lord, doesn't matter. We thank you for the life they have given us. We thank you for the input that they have given us. And we celebrate you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would help us to rejoice in the fact that we have been given a special gift. We've been given a mom, someone who nurtured us like only she could. Honor her today, Lord, with your presence and your blessing. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, give the Lord a hand for all of our moms. 
All right, ladies, as you go out, the ushers are out there and they're excited to give you a carnation. Amen. Turn around and tell someone, Happy Mother's Day. God bless you.